So welcome to this week's episode of As the Actress Said to the Critic. Um, and we have an unexpected special guest who we found in the kitchen. Very, very special. <laughs> <laughs> On his way to a matinee. Anyhow, let me say hello from me, Sarah Crompton, the critic. And hello from me, Nancy Carroll, the actress. And our guest, who was in the kitchen on his way to a matinee, is Joe Stone Fewings. <laughs> and um, we had planned to talk about Dancing at Lunasa and Brown Friel. And then we realised that we had in our midst someone who had actually worked with Brown Friel. So that's why we've dragged him out of the kitchen. Yeah. Yes. What matinee are you on your way to, though, Joe? Um, I'm about to go and do witness for the prosecution. Um, we've got um, two matinees, actually, this weekend. Gosh. Uh, funnily enough, they put two on because we have something going on in London. Um, <laughs> Small the, event. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> big wall event. So they're making the most. theatrical. Yeah. 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 So we've got that going on. So um, I've got that in a couple of hours. But um, yes, as you said, um, talking about Brian Friel. Um, I was in the 2009 production right. um, at the Old Vic, um, which was was in the round. It was I think they did a season. Do you remember? They that? did a whole season in the round. They did. So yeah. let, I, I'm just going to go backwards slightly, which is that. Um, so we were inspired to do it because the National Theatre have done a revival in the Olivier, yeah. directed by Josie Rourke, um, and it does seem like so that's. 2009 I think yours was the last and it is wonderful the new production yeah and we've seen it and that sense of uh, what a great play it is and I think yours is the last London oh was it revival before oh really this. okay and of course was done while Branfield was alive yes yeah yeah he turned up um he came and saw a couple I think probably one of the later runs in the rehearsals and then he uh he, we had this this note session where, um, of course, there's this real sort of sense of the master is in the room. Yeah. And uh, and he sat there scribbling these. He'd, he'd made a whole bunch of notes and he sat there um, taking, going through his notes. And then as he finished a note, he'd sort of scrubble up the paper and, and throw it in a bin. And we were all watching this as this happened. And then as soon as he'd finished and then he was guided out of the room, we all made a run towards the, uh, <laughs> the, paper, the paper basket. And so I've got, I think I've got about four sheets with uh, Brian Frill handwriting wow. of notes. Uh, I got my notes, actually. Yeah. Um, so they're in my script somewhere. Did the other actors grab theirs as well? I think they did. So, and somewhere, maybe even the shelves above my head, I think my script is up there with, uh, oh, with my notes, but I'll out. have to find those later on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I couldn't, to be honest, I couldn't actually read them. <laughs> <laughs> he is um, um, a playwright, I think, who makes, inspires sort of reverence and affection. I, mm. I, I've, that my, um, I have two Brownfield um, stories to put into the mix, which is one that when I was a journalist on the Telegraph magazine, I wanted um, him to do an interview with us and he mm. never gave interviews. I think I think right at the end he gave a kind of, he had a conversation with the great Irish writer Fintan O'Toole, but I think before mm. then he really hadn't given interviews. And I made it my business every year to write to him initially on paper, yeah, you know, yeah, because it was pre-email, yeah, um, and then later by email saying, "Please, please, please, I love you, I love you, I love you." Will yeah. you give um, an interview? And he wrote back with great courteousness and said, "No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. thank you so much, but no, please leave me alone. Yeah, please yeah. leave me alone." Yeah. So, but on, on then, I think one of the very last things that he 
uh, did in London Theatre while he was alive was that there was a Fathers and Sons at the Donmar, which Mm. he had uh, translated. And Ah. he um, was sitting near us and I was with with another Irish friend who was kind of in awe that we were sitting near Brownfield. And the nicest thing was at the end, he went backstage to see everybody and we were leaving, the audience was leaving the theatre and you just heard this kind of great roar as he walked into the green room and this kind of wave of affection oh. surrounding yeah. him. Yeah. And this production, Nancy, is really good, isn't it? I think it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I love, love, love Rob Jones's set. I think in terms of it being a memory play, the, the way that he's designed it is is so beautiful because it sort of encapsul- encapsulates, I imagine, his memory of the Irish landscape around the house, but also that those those sort of, they're not net curtains, what are they? They're sort you know, of stringed. I, I, I've seen a few productions that use it. And they, they seem like beads, but they aren't beads no. either. I had trouble describing they, them in my is, review. They're, um, they use a similar thing in Plenty at this Chichester. Is, this is drapes in front of a... Yeah, but it's they, it's sort of demarcates um, the horizon lines going back yeah. that you have... The screen. It's yeah, it's like a screen, but it's made of, God knows what it would be, like metal strings or like tiny, tiny chains. Oh, right, right. But then onto it is projected light. Oh, I see. So, so that, it's like, an, you could, it's just something that you can actually yeah. use to put on projection. So when the characters leave the main acting space and disappear up through the hill behind, yeah. if there's a sort of, it, they can run their hand along it and, and create a sort of light effect um, at the at the very back of the stage. And it's just beautiful. And I think it, it just, one, it gives, you know, a, a surface for the lighting designer to play with, but also it does create this dreamlike effect of the, of the memory of a landscape, yeah. which I thought was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, because yeah, it is so much a memory play. I mean, yeah. it, it, it is. Joe, you ought to do the, the plot summary because you've, been in it. Yeah, well, I, I also <laughs> should point out I haven't seen this production no. yet. No, I've worked with Josie a number of times, but um, Josie Rourke is Josie Rourke. Yeah, so Josie Rourke directed, and I met her. Um, yeah, I met her at the National the other day, and she was saying what a sort of joy it had been yeah. to yeah. direct it. And and interestingly, you know, she, it is the story of five sisters, and you know, I I do have I do think there's a sense in which that women bring something to it as directors. So I think Josie has brought yeah. something kind of yeah, very yeah. specific to it as a director. And the production I did was Anna Magnin directing it. Um, I'm not sure what relationship she had with Brian. And it was very warm when they were together in the room. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and also, I mean, I do remember him talking. I'm remembering now because I have to point <laughs> out... Memory this, play of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, it's... it's <laughs> This this has been um, uh, rather sprung on me. I wasn't going to speak about this until about half Put an hour Put down ago. that coffee. I literally was just finishing my eggs. And, uh, but it, it, it's interesting because I do remember him talking about sort of the nature of his... Because this is an autobiographical play, you know. It's this like, is, yeah, he grew up level. with his, um, with all these, these matriarchal figures around him. And, um, you know, this is the more... That's my dog. Um, groaning, sorry, not me. Um, <laughs> desperate to go for a walk. Uh, you know, he did speak about that. These, you know, we we kept asking, investigating yeah. as gently as possible. Yeah. Because because in some ways, you know, it, you're aware that it, it's a play that he's famous for, and he's been asked these questions many many times. But of course, we were incredibly curious, and how much of this is true? And of course, as the conversations went on uh, during the rehearsals, 
you realise far more of it was true than not. Right. So all these figures are based on somebody. Yeah. And and this was his life. And he was, he's, you know, he's the storyteller. He's the young kid who was sitting around the kitchen listening and, and watching all of this. So, I mean, the part that I played, Jerry, I don't know if that's a sort of composite of a number of people in his life. But certainly, um, you know, the, those figures existed right. in his life. And 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 and, the, and as he said, at the centre of this was Marconi, was the radio. Radio. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, it was it was really lovely to to have him in the room with us. Uh, really, sort but of there is the there process. is a, there is a correlation between Marconi and what Jerry represents, isn't there, in terms of glamour and other and something, and the fact that the Marconi keeps breaking and springing into action yeah. just as irregularly as Jerry turns up. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that they have the same power over them. Yeah. You know, and there's the, the, the dancing and the music of Jerry's other accent, the fact that he's from Wales, the fact that he you know, even the fact that he's going off to fight in Spain, it's yeah. it's something so foreign, but it has this weird hold over their lives. Well, I, I would say the romance. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, the whole of you know, that that is that's the, the, the sort of central quality of Jerry really is a sort of this romantic which he entirely believes in and they believe in because of him but all of them sort of know that it's not, it's not real true. Yeah, yeah so that is its cleverness isn't it it's five sisters in a very remote irish village which is becomes part of Friel's sort of fictional landscape that is at once fictional of real at Ballybeck. yeah and um and that all the five sisters are thwarted in some way so there's the older sister who's holding everything together and there's a younger sister who um next youngest who talks about a wild woodbine being as yeah, good as yeah. a good man and, yeah. and then each of the sisters has a, a sort of is trapped at some levels by their life and by their house and then there is the figure of um Jerry's lover, who is the far, the mother, yes. the abandoned mother, yeah, and yeah. the child is remembering the whole, the whole thing. But they also, yeah. what what I think is so clever Maggie. about it is that they all have secrets that he yeah. doesn't reveal. You know, they're they're intimated towards. You know, you, the Brian Freer doesn't reveal. The, the yeah, play the, the doesn't reveal that doesn't they reveal. all. You know, the, there's such urgency now to have resolution with stories and to tie up loose ends. And the, I think the brilliance of it and the genius of his writing is he feels no necessity to do that. Yeah. Even when Michael is concluding at the end, the fact that he didn't ever tell his mother about the Welsh family, the fact that you know we don't really know what happened to uh, Rose and. Is it Agnes? Yes, it Ag Agnes that Aggie, go, Aggie, yeah. that um, you know that died in poverty in uh, in London. You know, there's there are so many secrets that aren't revealed. I think it 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 keeps its magic because of that. Yeah. Weirdly, you know, because you you're left in that world. You're not released from it. There's no closure from it. You stay with him because of it. Yeah. And I think that's why he's such a brilliant writer because yeah. he trusts. That he trusts it's enough. Yeah, I I was thinking that because before we found Joe in the kitchen, um, we just there. I mean, one of <laughs> just there eating his eggs. One of the things that we've been thinking about and that you and I have been talking about, Nancy, was what makes a classic play. Why this play? It isn't revived that often. Yeah, yeah. But it is true that I think when it is revived. It just shines as bright, brightly as ever it did. Yeah, and yeah. It hasn't. It's set in the. 30s. Mm. 36. 
it's written in the 90, 1990. Wow, okay. Which is when it's first on a, the Abbey. And yet, you know, so 33 years later still seems an absolutely richly resonant play. And I think you notice, I've never seen a bad production of it. Yeah. And I did see Joe mm. up a tree. Amazing. And, for uh, the, I have to point out, up a tree for the entire scene. Because traditionally, of course, Jerry is off stage. I think this is probably how they sell it to anyone who plays Jerry. Look, you're going to play this part. You come in, you've got this great moment where you arrive and you dance with all the women. You have a fantastic time. Um, and, you've got a great know, set, set of togs. Great set of togs. I had great dancing trousers. Oh. That was the, the central <laughs> part pants. of my character. Yeah. The dancing trousers. <laughs> uh, great big kind of wide, you know, um, flappy trousers. And uh, you're going to do all of this. And then in the second half... You're going to be up a tree, but you're going to be off stage and you're going to be throwing on these things. You can have a cup of tea backstage. Apart from my production, uh, when Anna Macmin said, right, we're going to have the tree on stage. <laughs> so you're going to have to climb the tree full scale. I mean, it was a very impressive tree. It was a very impressive. You're going to have to climb there and then you're going to have to spend at least three quarters of an hour fixing Marconi's aerial, um, which, of course... Uh, there's only so much you can do. So um, there's a lot more acting going on up that tree than, um, than <laughs> but should I, have been. But I thought that was genius, really. And that, I think I, I missed it. I, I mean, I'm, I, there's very little negative that I came away from the Josie's production at the National, except that I missed Jerry up the tree. Yeah. You know, because it was, I don't know how he they could off, have... He is Yeah, Tom Riley, who's playing Jerry, brilliantly as well, you know, has to shout from yeah. the wings of the Olivier, which there aren't really wings in the Olivier. It's like an amphitheatre. And, and so it did feel perhaps further away than if, you know, the, he's very much still present in the scene. Yeah. So it's then odd to it's hear this age. slightly diluted hit of, yeah. of his lines yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that so that brings me to what, no. what i was thinking about was all the all the um the different no no she's not very she's keen. not a fan of she's irish writing no, 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 <laughs> brian Freel in particular yeah. although she's part irish so really, <laughs> yeah, she, she, yeah. maybe that's she it she wouldn't be showing very poor taste if she <laughs> no but all, all the all the different productions emphasize a different aspect of it so one of the things i noticed and i think this is part of what makes it such a terrifically rich and resonant play and a, a kind of modern classic that can be endlessly uh, reinterpreted They've, every production finds a different beat within that storytelling yeah. and that it has got a richness. And the thing I noticed this time, which I don't think I'd ever really noticed before, is how the decisions of the men totally, who are peripheral yeah, yeah. at many levels, but they are totally central to how the women live their lives. So it's not just Jerry who floats, who's fathered a child and who abandons child and mother and kind of floats in and out, but also the priest brother. Yeah, um, Jack. Who's played Jack, who's played in the, the Nationals production by Ardalan Hanlon. Yeah. And he comes back um, an African mission. and But his shame conditions their lives yeah and I, I i hadn't ever really noticed that sense that they're trapped you know they're yeah, completely yeah. constricted by people yeah. who are they have no control over really it's yeah. i have to say it's very it's interesting just doing this with you now talking about what is essentially a memory play and that in some ways is its power as well yeah. i mean it you know it, these these great sort of uh ways of emotion that come through this play and and for me now, thinking, I'm, I'm getting quite emotional now, thinking about it, because 
it was uh, remembering our production of a memory play and how memory has that direct connection to emotion. And, and of course, Brian Friel, having him in the room and imagining him as that young boy listening to this and then the scraps of the memory and the memories that we, we, we sort of kind of embroider sometimes. Yeah. Um, how much of that is real and how much of it uh, we embroider with experiences after that. Mm. Um, and it, again, and then I'm, as I say, talking about this now and the nature of theatre and the nature of watching theatre and, and being in shows, it is, it is a dreamlike uh, uh, state. Atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. When we talk about, because, you know, both me and Nancy, of course, we, we talk about theatre all the time. We talk about, in our kitchen just over there, we yeah. talk about theatre all the time. <laughs> we talk about shows that we're in and we talk about shows that we have been in. And sometimes I very much get confused. <laughs> with I know, I know. Shows start to, you know, they, they start to mesh because, yeah. um, it, it, so that I'm, well, I, I suppose what I'm trying to say is what is so powerful about this play is, is, the, is the nature of, of memory and um, and perhaps the, that's why it, it remains fresh as a production, yeah. because it is it is rooted in something, but it's you know. But it's also that that, that thing of I think this, one of the things I find so emotional, particularly maybe not particularly this, but perhaps a little bit of it is that being a woman watching women being mm. trapped by their own lack of self worth. And I suppose just the time yeah. and their class, the expectations of and, yeah, and mm-hmm. and yeah. and that without fail. And I've seen three, four productions, maybe even more, including the film. Every single time they dance on the table, <gasps> I sob. Yeah, mm. and, and it's like within a set, and and it's like I know it's coming, yeah. I know it's going to happen, and every time I'm inconsolable. Yeah. And it's because it's just for that second that they are given permission by the presence of the music and then the minute and then they stop giving themselves permission the minute the sec, the the Marconi yeah. breaks again and then they don't talk about it yeah and the fact that that freedom and strength and feral joy that they explode with at that moment is all still present in them but you never see it again in the rest of the play. And it's actually a very short moment. I mean, yeah, it's incredibly short. In, um, uh, and, and again, that re- reflects life in as much yeah. as those, those, those moments that we remember of, um, you know, extreme release and joy, whatever, yeah. usually are quite, quite fleeting. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. But looking back on that, and you think about the history of, you know, female emancipation and the suffragettes and everything that was happening in London in the 30s and that in the wilds of, you know, the Irish landscape, that they were still 20 years behind us. And, and just the frustration of looking back on how beautiful they were and extraordinary and how amazing amazingly depicted, you know, Friel, what a job that Friel has done by telling the story so beautifully. And it's, so it's, it's, it's a love for them as an audience member, but it's yeah. also your frustration going, no, 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 that's it. That's your power. And it's just released for a second and then it's, and then yeah. it's submerged again. Mm. Yeah, and I do think, I mean, I totally agree with you. I was in absolute floods of tears. And the choreography is in this production is done by Wayne McGregor. Right. And it is a one, I do think it's a brilliant, brilliant mixture of something kind of primitive 
and artistic and also of Irish dancing. Some of the productions I've seen have been more that the dancing was kind of accurate. Wild. Yeah. But this is really kind of wild yeah. and something. And and it absolutely reduces you to tears. And I think if people ever ask me about why I love dance, yeah. it's about it is about that ability to release something that's beyond words. Yes. Which, of course, is the thing that it says at the end of the play when he says, when I remember it, I think of it as dancing. Yeah, dancing yeah. with eyes half closed because to open them would break the spell. Oh, and, you know, it's just kind of every time you just kind of, that's it, that, that dance and that sense of movement and love and hope is all yeah. encompassed in that 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 movement but the beautiful beautiful tightrope direction of of that of the way that Justine Mitchell who plays Kate yeah who's the teacher. god oh my god she's i mean i love her as an actress yeah. she's absolutely extraordinary but in this she's you know she breaks your heart and but the fact that even within that short marathon moment which is that initially she doesn't dance then she wanders outside then she dances on her own and as they carry on they carry on you think is she going to go back in is she going to dance with them and you think she won't and then she gets bigger and bigger outside and then just as the last moment she joins them and you think oh my god and that's an entire story in In itself itself. and it was so beautiful it's so beautiful and i and but it's and it's there and it's but it's a testament to frill's writing that you know, there's, you, you can create an entire play within a minute of the play, the play within a play, yeah. you know, and, and, and also Josie and those actresses and, you know, yeah, and it's Siobhan just, it's just glorious, yeah. glorious, Fab- glorious. Fabulous acting. And I do think it's interesting that I, I, I love Friel. I mean, you know, if I was doing a sort of top 10, 20th century dramatist, he would definitely be yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. And I think Translations is an a- astonishing play. Mm. Yeah. And I think Faith Healer, which again is more explicitly about different versions of the past where you have four monologues by three people each recounting an incident that was life-changing around a faith healer. Yeah. Um, that was the first play I ever saw by Freel and I saw it with Donald McCann, who, you know, legendary Irish actor, and when you talk, Joe, about the kind of magic of theatre, of that sense it's got to kind of cast a spell over you, mm. then that for me was one of those nights where I just thought, oh, I love this art form. I just love this. And I'd love Donald McCann because he'd been on telly in a, in a <laughs> series called The Pallisters. And so part of why I wanted to see him was to see him in this yeah. uh, Pallisters. And I, I, I just, oh. It was magic. It was magic. And it was a man standing on a stage telling me a story. Yeah, yeah. But was I wonder how much of Friel's magic springs from his sort of discretion, the fact that he wouldn't give interviews, the fact he didn't explain like Nancy said. Was he like that in person? Did you feel that he was like? Uh, um, well, I, I only met him on a number of different occasions in during rehearsals, and I say he gave us a note session. Um, and he also came along to our press night and uh but was sort of uh, ensconced between um two women uh, uh, our producer and uh and anna um and lots of bottles <laughs> there was I, i'm not sure how much he was drinking but you know there was a lot of i think there was a lot of whiskey that night as right. well wasn't there um but there was we did have um a celebration of his life at the donmar that i right. was asked along Right. Uh, to go and uh, do uh, one of the speeches, one of Jerry's speeches, funnily enough. Um, which one? Can you remember which one it was? 
uh, which were uh, speech from Jerry. Oh God! Well, this is this is the problem now. It's all, <laughs> it's all coming. It was a long time ago. I should also point out because I've got them here. I've written them down just so I remember who was in it. Andrew Cole, of course, was in it. Who uh, oh. it was her theatrical debut. Yeah. Um, I got to dance with her, and and, uh, and of course uh, Neve Cusack, and oh, and yeah. that was. I, and the reason I mentioned Neve is because of course when we um, had this celebration of his life at the Donmar, there was so that you know I. I shouldn't really use the word royalty, but Irish royalty was there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. All those big Irish acting dynasties, you know, yeah. and you sort of, and that's what was quite useful in some ways. I I felt very much an outsider on this, not being Irish. Mm. Um, and there were so many wonderful Irish actors within this. We also had Finbar Lynch, who of course oh, yes. married to Neve. Uh, Michelle Fairley was in it. Susan Lynch was in it. Peter oh, McDonald. Man. So you're very aware that you were outside of this sort of um, this kind of Irish group, um, which was quite useful as as the as character. As an outsider, um, character, yeah. Uh, but um, but no, and 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 you were very aware that when you were in in the presence uh, of of the great man that, uh, you know, he, he had this Irish guard around him and yeah. that, that he's the national treasure. So that was, that was, uh, sorry, that wasn't me. That was That's the other the dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he was regarded quite rightly as, as, as a national treasure, but didn't want to be. And you could see that right. and he resisted that. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I respect people who sort of say, look, that's my expression as an artist. This is yeah. what I do. Yeah. I don't want to explain it. Yeah. Many ways, you know. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's right. And there's a modesty and a precision in the writing. But I, what I what I loved about the production that Anna did with you and and Andrea and the dancing was the amount of energy that went into perfecting that. Mm. You know, so that it became something that had a magic over the women, you know, that the dancing that you and Andrea worked so, so hard yeah. and you were brilliant and it yeah, was because beautiful I, ballroom dancing. But, I mean, it was, it was perfect. But, but I also have to say, I mean, there was something, uh, talking, going back to Friel's notes, they were very prescriptive. Yeah. They weren't, oh, darling, you're doing rather well there, keep that up. No, it was very, you hit this point. So there was a, a there was a real sense of the musicality of the language, yeah. which is something I love and respond to yeah. as an actor. And, the, you know, remember there's there's a beat here. So we, we really did work on and, and were aware of the rhythm of the piece. Yeah. Which you can get wrong. I yeah. know you're saying it in a sense. Well, I, I've not seen it wrong. Gone. Yeah, well, but I no, can but imagine it, it, it could be wrong. Yeah. So, you you know, it's it's like anything that is uh, that that has a truth to it. I think it has a, a rhythmical truth as well. And as, as long as you, you remain true to that, you're on the right road. But, it, but, but what I love about... It, the story that's being told with the Marconi and with Jerry and with, you know, lots of different elements of the play that they have this sort of strict, I suppose, almost like a vortex in the middle of their family with the Catholicism and everything, you know, that, that how they beat themselves literally with a stick for not you know, for everything they go through with protecting Jack and the fact they're desperate for him to say mass again and all that sort of stuff and all the rules and that surround their existence and the fact that, you know, Chrissy has had a has a child out of wedlock and what that meant for the family and that then eventually because of Father Jack that Kate loses her job and but outside of that, they're all romantics. Yes. You know, everything about the the way that these women interact and talk and what and dream 
is about romanticism and it's the and so that push pull of the romanticism and the practicality and boundaries of their catholic existence is is the center of that drama i mean you know of course it's the memory and the family and the beautiful yeah. writing but there is this extraordinary tight tug that never lets up yeah. And that's what I think is so beautiful, and what I thought your production did so beautifully in, in that. And space. I and and I think I think that's the the you know the 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 quality about Friel as well that he he's he's you know at a time when I think that a lot of writers feel they've got a thing to say, yeah, um, and they want to communicate a point. Friel does communicate points, but. All of them sit in the middle of a kind of tug of um, emotion and rationality, yeah. faith and and lack of faith, you know, church and state. He, 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 all the plays, which are stories of people, are built on this series of, you know, Ireland and England, incredible sort of mm. oppositions yeah, yeah. and tensions, yeah. and yet expressed fundamentally through music and poetry and dance. But in as much as I was also saying it was a very Irish play, it's also a very universal yeah. play. And I I found myself, uh, my experience, my growing up in a country family with a lot of women around, uh, for me, you know, that could that play could have been set in Herefordshire. Yeah. Could have been set on Welsh borders because... It they have it was the same sensibilities. It was the same experience they were they were having, and so that's perhaps its other uh, strength. Yeah, is that by being so specifically Irish, it is wonderfully universal. Yeah, and and it, and that human condition is you know what we all it's understand. All, it's all there. Yeah. But he gets the 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 sort of the models that he uses in his plays get repeated again and again, which again is a testament to him. Like the, you, we were just saying before about translations and mm. the conversation between the two characters supposedly talking in a different language as if the other one doesn't respond yeah. to it. Yo, is it is Yoland, it? Uh, yeah, he's the young officer, Yoland. Yeah. And he's talking yeah. to the... He's talking to the... Irish girl. To the Irish girl who's speaking Irish. Yeah. yeah she's speaking, speaking yeah. yeah. Gaelic. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah. is she talking in Gaelic? Or is yeah. She All right. And they're both saying, I wish you could understand what I'm saying. Yeah, because they yeah. don't um, have a common language except love, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, that it is. Yeah. And then and Richard Curtis used it, didn't he, in Love Actually between um, Colin Firth and the Portuguese actress. Yes. He used the yeah, same thing. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Probably, I mean, probably you know, Nick that. Great artist still. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Because it's brilliant. As yeah. a guy's, it's just fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it is true. I mean, he is the great playwright of kind of love, actually, at some levels, you know, and for love and faith and hope. There's a, there's yeah. a, there's a. Even when they're bleak, there's a kind of hopeful, I think, quality. Though, yeah, I think a lot of people left the National Theatre in floods of tears. Oh my gosh, of that. it's so it's emotional. a beautiful, beautiful production. emotional production. So yeah. let let let's come to a close by commending that production yeah because it is fabulous i gave it five stars mm. in my what's on stage review um but and joe thank you, thank Yay! you for coming in from that's a pleasure to, before your match I, should, I should also just say yeah witness the prosecution we're still still doing very well doing good business but <laughs> yeah. you know come and see it, it is actually it's, it's done really really well and it, the reason it's, it's doing brilliant. well it's a it's a really good play yeah it's yeah a good come play. see it in fact we'll do another episode of on agatha christie the drama oh yeah yeah who done it so, we'll, yeah will you and who done it and we'll invite you back in well, that's very with a bit more yes. oh, i look forward to that yeah we'll just pull you in from the kitchen all right again. yeah 
Uh, and that's it from us for from episode 31 of Actress <laughs> as the Actress Says to the Critic with me, the actress Nancy Carroll. And me, the critic, Sarah Crompton.